0: You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Okay, Sports, third, people. Sports Therapy Association podcast here um i hope you're well if you are listening to the podcast to the audio then thanks very much and we do actually record this live for those of you who aren't aware um and we do encourage you to try and come um and join us live because you get to meet the guests and speak to them and ask questions and also a great networking possibility because when you do come then i can bring your kind of like facebook logo or youtube logo up onto the screen and your questions um but yeah if you can't make it it's eight o'clock uk time um, every tuesday um, but if you can't make it then appreciate uh, you listening to the audio it'd be even nicer if you could leave a nice review and a rating particularly on google podcasts and um, you can also listen to us on youtube and um, you can uh, join in the comments from youtube and also come to the sports Derby association facebook page you don't have to be a member of the sta um, you're welcome to come along and mix and hang out and meet the guests and uh, the other people who come to join us live so there we go that's what we're all about my name is matt phillips check Live. And um, first of all, I must thank um, Mike Grice once again for stepping in last week um, to be uh, the host with the most. It was very kind of you. Thanks, Mike. Um, and it was a really good session. If I say so myself, I'm going to put myself out of a job here. But um, it was a really good Q&A where uh, Mike and uh, Gary, founder of the SDA, had um, a QA and a something we should probably do at least once every couple of months, because there were some brilliant questions coming from people who joined us live. um I'm going to read out a few of the questions just um, at the risk of keeping my guest tonight a little bit bored. But it's just really useful information, I feel, for soft tissue therapists. There was how do you cope with the pressures of moving back um, to face to face appointments, which is really interesting. And um, we forget about that. A month of doing kind of like maybe virtual consultations or for some people not doing anything at all. Because they were too stressed out. Suddenly back to maybe three, four, five face to face consultations, uh, people a day, real life. Um, which is total different, kind of like shock to the nervous system, isn't it? Um, so that was really interesting to listen to. Um, how many hours of reading research came up again? Should therapists do a month? That's well worth listening to. Just a reminder that at the Sports Therapy Association, Gary, the founder, is very much into looking at different forms of CPD. You don't necessarily have to pay for some big flashy course and travel across the country. Even listening to these podcasts can be down as um, CPD hours if you show what you've learned from it. Um, and indeed, we've got a template now on the STA um, website where you can download that and put in anything you read or watch which improves you as a therapist counts towards continued professional development. So that was a really good question to listen to. Um, there was face to face. Is it safe to do face to face first aid qualification, um, which was good as well. And uh, this was an interesting one that I listened to with great fascination. How can we compete ethically in our marketing with the huge amount of misleading advertising out there? That's a massive one. How does some humble little sports therapist or sports massage therapist compete with all these kind of like endless pot of money marketing agencies pushing twaddle out there? It's very tricky. How do you do it without playing the same game? Um, and then also the last question for the hour session was does a sports therapy degree make you more employable which links in quite nicely with what we're going to talk about tonight good segue there um so tonight i'm very happy to bring you once again back from november 2020 she's been around since then she's not like going to cryogenic storage or something but no she's been very active you all know already general oliver of the physiotherapy support group was back in episode 2027 what are essential health services anyway so that was a flashback to the past where we were all told you can see people as long as it's essential to their health and it was like oh what's essential is massage essential they need it Otherwise, they have a nervous breakdown is that essential so that was a really interesting session you can go back to listen to that uh, with Gemma so Gemma is back which is great and joining her is Andy Hosgood uh, founder of Elevate Your Clinic uh, which we'll hear about uh, very shortly Um, and I think that's a all of the stuff out the way and also with this is going to be gary um benson founder of the sports Derby association so i think that's all the yep that's out the way just making sure we're live in facebook we are Catherine reimer how are you doing just going to show so those of you listening to the podcast you can't see but i've got Catherine's comment here up on the screen it says hi everyone hope you had a nice break man well thank you thanks for saying that Catherine. i did it didn't rain all the time um it was camping it was a great experience i've never been in a tent i could stand up in before i thought tents were all small my tent had four rooms i could have put the car in it it was ridiculous Borrow- borrowed it off a physio obviously it wasn't uh, wasn't mine the end farm much much more than me anyway uh stephen Watson. nice to see you as well um and everybody else filling up the room that's great right so without further ado i'm going to bring up our guests in no particular order um although she did tell me she'd be very annoyed if i didn't bring up at first so here's jem <laughs> hey Jem, how you doing Hello, Matthew. Nope. How are you? All right. I'm all right. Better than you, I think. I hear you've been a bit stressed, yeah?
1: I've had an event for a few weeks, but much, much better. <laughs> much, much better. got a lovely new job, so yeah,
0: it's all good. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> we'll hear about that in a sec. But first, just at the risk of ruining your day, let's bring up Andy. Is Andy Hosgood? Hey, Andy, how you doing, mate?
2: Hey, Matt, you are right. right?
0: I've never met you in person before, have I? Have I? Have you met in
2: person? Uh, the, if I said yeah now, without putting in about particular, it would just, just, just oh, yeah. confirm
0: what my wife says all the time. You've got a brain like I said, but but um, I don't think we have. But it's nice to meet you in person, Andy. I've heard about you and seen your work a lot. Um, so it's nice to meet you in person. Um, and also, couldn't do this without him, founder of the STA, Gary Benson. you, Gary.
3: Yeah, evening, Matt. Hi, all.
0: Thanks for the last week. That was really good. It was really good. Yeah, I love listening back to it.
3: I quite like those when there's no sort of agenda to them and uh, when we were just Mike and I were just like having a chat with with people listening in and it was it was good yeah some great questions
0: there was um was there there was some um, reminders there I'm just thinking what you mentioned there was something about pay moving from PayPal that was something that came up in the beginning it was a bit of housekeeping wasn't there yeah Do you want to repeat so, that tonight
3: yeah so what we've done is uh, after the last two years of the clunkiness of PayPal and the, the problems it's caused with automated renewals and communication issues—we've moved away from PayPal and we've we've moved on to Stripe as of yesterday, and we are just experiencing some teething problems with Stripe. So uh, watch oh, this really? space. Um, you know, it, I, I think it's not teething problems with them; it's it's us <laughs> learning how to use it. Uh, but yeah, we're. we're slap bang in the middle of a really busy renewal um period at the moment so we we are um checking cpd statements first aid qualifications highest industry qualifications etc issuing certificates um so yeah it's taking up all of our time at the moment
0: fantastic right okay right so um gem and andy thanks for joining us this evening appreciate your time obviously all of our guests do this for free there's no monetary passing at all whatsoever it's all um the goodness Wait, of put the good paid. word out there did you not read you didn't read that email did you you know what it fonts got very I didn't small get at the memo. end <laughs> that time you i got, didn't get the yeah. memo Andy he did <laughs> he came back to me and said what are you joking <laughs> and I appreciate you guys giving up your time I'm looking forward to this a lot looking forward to it. it's a really good topic um and I've seen that I know you know it's a good topic because Anna um chimes in and goes great topic in her Italian accent and puts thumbs up everywhere so you know it's a you know it's a winner just make sure you keep the next month free because the Massage Collective will want you for the same topic probably in, in the next few weeks so make sure you're not too busy but anyway um so Jem how's it going with the physio um and therapist support group has that been keeping you busy as well?
1: yeah very no, very well everyone's very well behaved now it sort of runs itself which is i think you know down to the the, the success of, of of the moderation and the lovely team that i've got but also because it's now been running for 18 months and almost and it's conducive and it's lovely to actually have it there's a self-running self-sufficient sort of stuff Um there's things that we can do and there's, there's plans to do bits and pieces but now i'm uh really happy it's it's uh, to be still successful and still growing and still talking about relevant stuff 18 months in is 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 really good and I'm just really pleased that everybody is using it in that way um, as a support network and as things evolve and change as they have done millions of times um, it's really nice that it is still being used and you know this is one of the the topics that comes up quite a lot so it's one of the reasons I wanted to sort of talk about it because we get themes and movements and thinking for different people in different professions. And that's what I really like about the group. So
0: that's the greatest thing I see about the group when I'm in there having a little look is because you've got so many therapists now in there, because it's a physio and therapist support group, which is a great move. It's just broken down those walls and you're getting you're doing a little research really, aren't you? You're seeing like what do people want, what do people need? You're encouraging people to talk.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons we we really do want to talk about this, because it is something that is a problem. You know, recruitment is an issue for various reasons, you know, whether you're looking for work or you're changing or you're actually trying to employ people. So it is important. It comes up a lot in the group, not just our group, but many, I think so.
0: Fantastic. And you got a signature of approval there from Emily saying it's an amazing space for all professions. There you go. Yeah, that's why I
1: That's why she's part of the moderating team, because we, we we pay her. Don't say that. Long. You've ruined it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit that out of the podcast, don't worry. And a, Andy, a, nice a. to meet you. Finally face to face, Andy. How are you doing?
2: And you, too, man, very well, thank you. Thanks for having us on.
0: No worries. Give me a little uh, introduction to Elevate Your Clinic.
2: Yeah, so Elevate Your Clinic was a a brain idea from myself and Phil, who is a non- therapist so he's an out of industry expert who has been a leadership and management coach in um for many many years but especially now specializes in small business and it was the idea for when when i was trying to grow my therapy business 20 years ago when i was setting out um where do you go for support you know everything was was elite for uh you know business coaches that charge loads of money that didn't understand the industry at all so the idea of Elevate Clinic, we grew our business to the size where I was very fortunate, like the classic thing. I could step back and have people like Jem doing all the hard work for us, and then um, and uh, and it was a, it was a space where how do we help as many therapists who get the information and the education they need to build the business they want, and that was what it was all about. And it started off as a coaching, like a one to one coaching thing, but then we built our own online. Academy now. So the idea is now people can can kind of learn as they go, really, and can dip in. It can either be used as a problem-solving thing. So if you've got an issue in your business, you can go and have a look at some educational stuff on how to solve the problem. Or if you're new to business, or you're like me and a bit of a geek and want to know as much as you can, then there's an order of which you can, for me, build all the good foundations to build a therapy business from a startup all the way through to you know, multi million pounds if you chose to go that way and get giddy.
0: Fantastic. Great stuff. And the exact website for that, normally I'd bring up a, a splash screen here. Yeah. But if people want to go and check that out, is it just um, Elevate Your Clinic? Yeah.
2: Elegate,
0: elevate your clinic.com, Yeah. Dot com. It's a com. Fantastic. Okay then. Right. So let's get into the topic which um was well, I've actually had to modify all of our adverts now because it's the longest topic we've ever had to fit into the advert. Integration of sports therapists into private practice and physiotherapist roles. Way too many characters. But I couldn't think of a way of shortening it down. What um Tell us, Gem, you came up with this, which is always great. I love when Gus came up with suggestions because it's something that's on your mind and obviously you're passionate about and you've been thinking about for a while, like you've already said. Give us a kind of a basic introduction to why you think we should be talking about that.
1: I think, as um, I did say, it it is mentioned quite a lot. We've got a lot of people, specifically within the Facebook group, looking for staff at the moment. We see the adverts all the time, and again, not just in our group, but many. And I think, going through the changes that everyone's going through, especially now, people are you know opening up a bit more and changing practices or developing new ways. There seems to be a bit of a shortage. Now, we, you know, I am a physiotherapist. there is a reason that the group is called physio and therapist support group i come from a, a sports medicine background um where everybody sort of works together anyway and i work with lots of different professionals and i've been fortunate to work in a lot of private clinics and i choose to work in a lot of private clinics which actually have a mix of professionals in them for whatever you know for whatever reason and it works really well and i just think you know if there is seems to be a bit of a shortage and we know there isn't a shortage of professionals out there you know there's lots of people looking for work so why why are clinics and people struggling to find professionals to fill these roles because it appears that they are okay we, uh, the group there's a good number in our group so we do get the themes running through it and there's lots of recruitment stuff at the moment you speak to people and it's difficult now there is a side of it from an argument point of view saying from a recruitment point of view it's very difficult I don't think we've, we've got that right in the industry but there is also an argument to say, oh people or employers getting it right you know are they looking for the right sort of people and why in some cases are they looking specifically for physios or role specific things when actually there's a lot of people that are very qualified and have the skill set to provide that service but they're not a physio they may be a sports therapist or maybe um, you know a graduate sports rehabilitation um, person and so that's where it comes from it you know there's lots and lots of very qualified and very capable people we all have a mix and a range of skills do we need to start looking at it slightly different rather than just saying I'd hiding for a physio or an osteopath or whatever you know does that need to be different now I think yes physiotherapist is a protected title we're not saying that people should start to call themselves different things i wouldn't call myself a sports therapist for example but it's about looking at what you need to fill in your clinic what's the type of person that you're looking for what's the skill set that you're looking for and using that to advertise with people rather than maybe a physio or a specific role set
0: why do you think well, yeah. if you hear this? Then why it's just um, Gemma's got tw- twelve dogs on um, the, the couch behind her. If you can't, if you're not watching the show, then you just have to imagine you've got little Gemma in the middle and about twelve Chihuahuas, I think, sitting around her. It's <laughs> like 12. Paris Hilton, she does. Um, <laughs> so yeah, what? Who are these people looking just for physios? Are they physios themselves? And why do you think they're confining it to physios? What are their preconceptions?
1: Sure, I think some of it is a traditional approach. I think some some people are, you know, are physios and they want that sort of people, they want people in similar sort of a skill set. I think there's an education thing. I think there's a cultural thing to people, you know, that's what, what they've always done and how they've always worked. Um I think there is there is an element of an insurance point of view. I think um, although people are moving away from private medical insurance now as as we know, and it's probably a theme in itself for various reasons there is there is limitations and and I understand that from a HPCP point of view where you know certain professionals can't practice or see people because they need certain registrations fine but private practice is just that and if you have a varied number of different types of staff you can have a varied number of different types of, of clients so I think it just my personal opinion is we just need to start talking about it we need to start asking these questions mainly because there seems to be a bit of a shortage of people being able to recruit really good therapists into their into their practice and that's what we've seen and so you know why why is that and do you need to then therefore look for somebody to fulfill the role rather than looking for a title um is is my question so I think it comes down to employers and also you know there's lots of people with different skill sets that are suited to different environments I'm going through you know a change in different career path at the moment I decided that one route you know as an FCP wasn't for me and I wanted to go back into private practice having thought the exact opposite two years ago so there may be people also thinking well you know I, can I work in those sort of environments you know and if I was a sports therapist sat at home looking for work and I see lots of adverts for physio 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 I may be sat well could I, could I do that role and, and does it put them off you know are we missing or are employers missing a massive group of people that are incredible at providing a really good service for patients and clients within their clinic and I think we may be missing a trick by just being very specific and I'm not saying we all should sort of blur the lines and start calling each other different titles but you know we are all very good at what we do and I think it would be good to see it a bit more expanded within the within the profession.
0: OK, then, Gary, you spend a lot of your time picking up on people who are advertising for physios, whether maybe they could be kind of like the fact they could be missing on a pool of particularly well skilled other therapists like sports therapists. What do you think the reason is? Is it therefore fault, our fault a mixture of the two or what can we do to stop it?
3: Um, I think it's multifaceted. Um, And and just as a a point going back to last week's chat with Mike Grice, Mike did a a great job of explaining how his multidiscipline clinic works, um, how he thought it might work initially, the changes he had to make um, and how it now runs, you know, runs itself really with, with the multidiscipline practitioners. but. You, you know, the the people I'm talking to and, and my name's mentioned quite a lot on Jem's on group, you know, when, when people are looking to recruit and they, they, they say they're looking for a sports therapist and and I get private messages and, and you know, I engage in conversation with these people. And, you know, as Jem identified, sometimes they're looking for a clone of themselves um, and a sports therapist might not be the best person to fit that role because you know we're not physiotherapists you know we are not allied health professionals and as as a part of that we are not legally or ethically allowed to diagnose uh, we clinically reason and assess um, you know and we treat what we find but you know what one of my frustrations has been that when i'm contacted by a physiotherapy clinic looking for a graduate sports therapist and i say you know what what specification What what's the personal and professional specification you want and they say i want them to do everything that i can do but i only want to pay them half the wages of a physio and you know I, it boils my blood sometimes and but i'm very diplomatic and i always try and put across the point that you know a successful a graduate sports therapist, let's just take it as an example with some simple maths that if if a graduate sports therapist works in their own clinical environment and they have 20 clients a week charging between 40 and 50 pounds per person, that's between 800 and a thousand pounds a week. So that's between 41,600 and 52,000 pounds a year. Now, why would they? be attracted to a multidiscipline clinic when they're already working autonomously with a with a, a referral network in place you know for twenty thousand or eighteen thousand because they're the sort of wages that are you know appropriate for somebody working in Tesco's um, on the veg department like my son did not for a graduate sports therapist who spent three years and close on fifty grand of uh, you know time and, and, and money commitment to get their qualification.
0: Good points. Andy, you've heard. Reflect. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I have to be honest, it's a topic that both me and Jem have spent quite considerable time discussing because I've had a multidisciplinary uh, multi background in my whole clinic is. So I've always been 50-50 physios to either sports therapists and sports rehabilitators from day one. That's how we built our clinic. So for me, that model's always been... Um, the norm and what we what we should do, and it was only a guess how, you know, when I when I opened my clinic, no one, everyone, no one had talked to each other because everyone was competitors, so no one could share what was going on. So I never really understood when I started explaining to others that that we have this 50-50 split that people, oh, what
1: what what they like, you know, well, you know. <laughs> Like a being from another planet. It's crazy.
2: (laughs) Interesting factor. Well, you know, the end of the day, we, how I've always judged people as therapists is, you know, if you can come to an interview and I like you, you can communicate well with the client and the customer and the customer's going to like you, which is fundamentally got to be skill 101, right? Because, you know, if if you're going to try and get someone to comply with a load of exercises, which are boring and going to ask them to try and do it three times a day, You're going to have to have some decent rapport skills. And then on clinical assessment that you do, you assess for that. So you would assess on the basis, in my opinion, of somebody that can actually assess well and understand what's going on and create the the correct rehabilitation plan, whatever that means. Now, if they happen to be a sports (laughs) therapist, happen to be a physiotherapist, I've never really cared because at the end of the day, for me, they're just John and that's been my whole analogy that i've always kind of gone through you know and it's it's interesting when you listen when i obviously have a nosy and gems group and have a look at what people are going on about but in any other industry in the world we recruit on the basis of the skill set they've got to fulfill the role so you would write a job description and the roles and the skills that do that and then you recruit based on them not what their actual what they've done or what the title is. So it's an industry thing as well, isn't it? In the therapy world that we, a physio then goes, well, I've got a physio business, so I need to recruit a physio. You know, whereas, you know, yeah. a physio, but if you if you want your marketing in your business, you're not going to recruit a physio to do marketing, are you? So I think that the thing is, you've got to be really smart. And for me, when we work with a business and in the recruitment thing, one of the first thing we get everybody to do is to just define what is the role that, actually recruiting for and where would they sit within your business and organization and based on those skills actually which one would be suitable and hopefully you know what we're what i'm seeing anyway and you'd be interesting to know what you guys are thinking but that the tide is turning and i think people are now starting to to can look at that more and definitely hopefully people are running the businesses more like businesses rather than just going, oh, I've done all right, let's just do what I've always done. So hopefully, I think the tide is definitely changing. And my experience of everybody I know that have got sports therapists in their business, uh, you know, I mean, I know a lot of sports therapists they have got really successful businesses as well. You know, my always, the irony is that they're starting to recruit physios, which I think is, which is good. So, because they want, yeah. they want, they can't the, the booper contracts so exactly if you, want a contract, you go and then recruit, recruit a physio don't
1: you oh, Sim- the tide oh, is changing and i think it needs to change and i think a lot of things are now coming out as an industry we've had to change you know through an awful pandemic we are coming out the other side of it now it has taken a lot longer <laughs> and been very very challenging i'm sorry about the bargain i'll sort it out in a minute but it, it's it it is changing it needs to change it it needs to change, you know, I nearly, very nearly walked away from physio two years ago, because for whatever reason, and a a different podcast at different time, I just got disillusioned with Physiotherapy in general, it wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. It wasn't what I was about, and it was very frustrating. Now there's other factors, you know, linked into that as well, you know. And I now have come through the other side and different types of physio work and consultation work and triage work, and realise what I want to do. It is like Andy said, you know, I'm a people person. I like treating people. I like diagnosing, you know. And I have now found a very good clinic in the north that I love to work in. which is summit physio, which is not a plug, but (laughs) it is, you know, I, I think I say that because, and I say, I say this specifically the North and it's not a dig, but obviously living in London, you know, you have an abundance of a lot of, you know, very very good establishments and but some of them are very very good and again I worked at Octopus Clinic with Lucy McDonald that we all know and that again was a lovely multidisciplinary clinic there was osteos there was physios you know we had podiatrist interest and stuff and it was very forward thinking and I love that there isn't as much of that up here You know, there isn't, there really isn't. And I'm not saying everybody is like that, but I think there's a lot more sort of traditional setups, I would say, and and that's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's the sort of clinic that you want to run. But things are moving, things are changing. You know, we need to, in my opinion, you know, if I had you know if I won the lottery tomorrow I would set up a movement space I would set up a studio with maybe a couple of beds not a couple of rooms where people get shut in a room you know I want to create a space for people to move because effectively is that you know that that's what we need to do that's what the research says we know how it works clinically but you need to right people in there and I just don't think that are thinking enough or forward thinking enough sometimes to actually start to push this on a bit for all the reasons that you've just said there's lots of people sports therapists you know sports rehabbers that are very good at working in a team i want to work in in that environment and, and, and i'm sure lots of other therapists sort of do as well so yeah it needs it needs to change and it is but i think we need it needs a push
0: I'm going to have a pause here just because there's four of us on the screen tonight. I've got other questions, but if you've got anything you want to come back with, or indeed, if anyone's listening here, if they've got any experience of working in a multidisciplinary clinic, or maybe you've been turned down because they say, I'm looking for a physio. You're not a physio. I thought you were a physio. And if you've got any um, personal experience there, then do share it with us. People are with it tonight. Just saying hello to Clinic Al. Is your name Al? It's a really cool handle if your name is Al. Mm-hmm. Clinic Al, or is it Clinic AI? Are you real or are you just a robot? Oh, we'll soon find out. Anyway, thanks for joining us, <laughs> clinic Gal. Um and hi Ke- Kelly Clinton says, totally agree, Gemma. The one thing I want to do ask one Gemma is when you say we, like we've got to change, who's the we? That's not an easy question, but who 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 is it? Who's who do we I'll stick create? my
1: neck out. I'll stick my neck out and say physiotherapy profession. I think and I'm not saying, you know, everybody's got it right and everybody's got it perfect, but I think there's a lot of Against coming back like out, traditionalists out there, you know, and Andy had a conversation with, you know, Catherine in the group who posed a great question where, you know, yes, physiotherapy is a protected title. We're not saying that it isn't, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know... People should start pretending that they are physios, which, which they never normally ordinarily do. But I think it's about scope of practice and it's about skill set and it's about, you know, a personality and what you have to offer rather than looking, looking at the person rather than, and what they bring to the clinic rather than their title. So I think when I say we, I mean the physio profession as a whole. Now, if if you want to do like, we, you know, we just mentioned lots of insurance work that need HBCP registrations and, and that's where you want to go, then, you know, obviously there's restrictions in, in who can see those, those clients and those patients. Um, If I was setting up a clinic tomorrow, I would want the person and the people to be good with rapport and people skills and have good clinical skills and want to work in a developing environment, you know, because not every physio um, patient wants to be treated by the same person. You know, I'll treat somebody very different than all of you. But actually what that patient needs is maybe something slightly different. And I think we need to be a bit more flexible in our approach to that, we being the physio profession as a whole, I think.
0: How much of physiotherapy is kind of NHS hospital based, where it's kind of really important to have that massive big physiotherapy input because you're working in different wards and learning about stuff which sports therapists don't even cover. How many physios are in that environment compared to a private practice? Do you know?
1: I don't, and that's a question that's actually come up quite a lot. Actually, we'll have to speak to the man and the stat man legend Jack. You'll probably have some ideas. but I, I, have, I have no I need a, I need a
0: short answer. I can't ask Jack. I need to know now.
1: <laughs> Anybody knows? No, and I, and I don't know, and I don't know, and I think there's a misconception, especially from patients. This is the other, you know, side of the coin is that patients clump us all together anyway (laughs) you know they don't they they want they walk into a clinic and i think maybe from a traditional point of view i think everybody's a physio whether you're a doctor whether you know you're whether you're a podiatrist or a nurse or or whatever same as you go to a GP. but that's an education thing you know that's something that we have got wrong the other thing to say is i I say this a lot when I I explain the difference between sports therapists and sports rehabbers and physio is that physios take three years, obviously, to train or four years in some cases. But we cover respiratory, neuro, care of the elderly, paediatrics and everything within our training. The MS side of physiotherapy is, for argument's sake, third. Whereas from a a sports rehabber and a sports therapist, you spend three years doing what physios do in a year, Mm -hmm. for argument's sake. That, for me, is massive and that's why I've always, you know, like Andy and a lot of people, worked and I've had a lot of, I've trained a lot of people in London, for example, and worked as a mentor for lots of sports therapists and sports rehabbers because they're very good, you know, they're very good at what they do, their diagnostic skills are very good, their clinical skills are very good, their rehab skills are amazing, and there's lots of amazing physios out there as well, but actually... I think, you know, like any profession, we can get a bit lazy. I was certainly guilty of it for a long time. You know, got a bit disillusioned with private practice, just things doing the same thing over and over again. And it's only coming out of it and coming back in, I've actually refreshed everything up again. But, you know, not every physio goes into SK therapy. You know, there's lots of different sides of it. Now, that's where I think we get sort of issues with CSP registration and people getting frustrated from a private practice point of view. But again, for for argument's sake and to back the csp not everybody in the country is an msk physiotherapist there's lots of different facets to that profession so i don't know what the numbers are but i think we forget that yes it's important to get private practice recognized but we are one small part of a physio world if that makes sense Uh,
2: can i jump in there as well Mm -hmm. if you thought it because i think there's two things from that is i think firstly it's in uh, I think it's always interesting for when, from a business owner's perspective, what, they, what their service is and if they're... So, Jem said she's very rehab-focused and loves that, which is kind of our, Which I think that's why she likes ours, big open space and Looks like a mini CrossFit gym with Pilates reformers in the middle of it. Um, so, for us, people that are used to being active and like exercise and all those kind of they're going to always suit our methodology. So a sports therapist, sports it so will suit that and fit in with that well, if that makes sense, because it's an out of that's our out of clinical um, style. So whereas if guess if your if your style of physio is, isn't always that, you know, you don't not rehab focused, then again, you might not want that person either, would you? So again, it goes to for me, it always comes down to an employer and employer understanding what it is that they want the service to be like in their business. And then it comes down to picking who's, who's the best skilled for that. Cause you know, if you've got somebody who's fantastically diagnostic, like, you know, diagnosing exactly what part of the supraspinatus tendons impinged or whatever. Okay. But can't rehab it. Then is that the right person for you in your business model? You know, again, it comes down to that. And I and it'd be interesting with, if anyone fancies commenting, how many sports therapists feel comfortable going to a physiotherapy company for a, a role? You know, in my experience, what was interesting is definitely changing. But early on, when we had sports therapists and sports rehabs applying for MSK therapy roles, of which we kind of, that's what we recruit on, um, they they were definitely a little bit more self-confident or lack of self-confidence in the way they were because we were physios and then I had to tell everyone actually I started off as a sports rehabilitator and then did physio so I, I kind of went from one way to the other so again it would be interesting how people feel about you know from that perspective and so that people you know people are recruiting these people you know recruiting into the sports therapists or thinking about it how they do things differently to make people feel more comfortable as well that would be an interesting thought.
3: If I can come in there, Matt as yeah. well, because you know Andy made a really good point when he was doing the sound check that you know he's, he's, predominantly, he's his predominantly his practice is m s k and rehab now he wouldn't advertise or take on a, a, a pelvic health physio because it doesn't fit his remit you know his his clinical remit now, the same with a the sports therapist and 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 again, I'll refer back to the the question last week about are we marketing? to get the right type of client now are we marketing as an employer to get the right type of therapist and for somebody just to say they want a physiotherapist they need to then you know expand on that and and reinforce Gemma's point that is it neuro is it geriatric pediatric is it you know stroke rehab but it's the same with a sports therapist because there's no continuity or standardization across the education program so that you know a sports therapist you know from wales for example may be heavily um biased towards soft tissue therapy where the the lead tutor is is that way biased you know somebody from scotland might be pitch side trauma uh and somebody from uh from Le- uh from york might be you know strength and conditioning biased. so it's 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 you know to pick up on andy's point it's about advertising exactly what you want and it's the it's the skill set so write the job description first forget about the title and jack chooser you know we had jack talking about the imposter syndrome that we all suffer from from time to time and the title's an important it's whether that person fits with your team you know has the right personality can build that therapeutic alliance with the client so that they're happy um, and and whether they can they can do the job not necessarily their allegiance to a membership association. Or
1: a title.
2: 100%. Yeah,
0: no, I yeah. agree. Well, we're all sold. How do you say it to everyone else? That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I agree. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what we're trying to do now, isn't it? We're trying to sell it to, to
1: the earth. And that's, that <laughs> is the question. And I've written that on my pad. You know, what do we do? What is, what how do we, you know, and I think we have broken, there's more talking going on now. I think one, because we've had to talk and club together and all kind of go back to a bit. Um, Native and all sort of get together to get over the pandemic, but we use that now, you know use the cohesion and the talking and the difference to actually move on as a profession you know in whatever profession you are um that 's why it 's important to me you know andy you know we 've been discussing it quite a lot, we need to see what we can do to start to change it and the job description, the job spec and thinking about maybe what you want in your service um is the key thing I think at the moment,
3: do you not think though that you know web chats like this groups like ours which are you know we you know allow multidiscipline practitioners in our gems group as well you know the amount of talking that, that that we have all done amongst ourselves our own profession and different professions in the last 18 months is is tremendous and my fear is that as we go back to normality, whatever, guys, that may take, is we stop this collaborative approach. We stop talking and we go back to, you know, sometimes traditionalist but elitist statements that, that are coming out from, from various sectors of the industry, not just physiotherapy looking down on sports therapists, but sports therapists, you know, being elitist towards soft tissue therapists. So, uh, you know, and, and uh, there was a point made earlier about you know, when we when we all started in clinical practice, we saw John Smith down the road as being our biggest rival. When that, that's that's never the case. John Smith down the road may have a totally different expertise and skill set, which we can use to our advantage by signposting a, our client to where we're not confident or not not permitted or not qualified to work with. Say, so, well, go and see John Smith down the road, and then you build that therapeutic alliance with your competitors rivals i've always even in my previous business which was totally unrelated you know i had an alliance with all of my so-called competitors so that we you know we knew where we were working we knew what was going on and and it was a sort of a team approach and i think if we lose that then that'll be that'll be a sad day
1: yeah i agree i agree and i think to answer your question what do we do and i'll again i'll put my head out there i don't mind being slightly controversial i think people are going to get left behind because i do think things are changing i do think you know it it was caught sort of moving in that direction anyway every aspect of healthcare has definitely changed in the last 18 months for the better in some aspects and i think that people will roll with it gary i think people that are open enough to sort of think about their practice different whatever discipline they are and take on this cohesive and collaborative working and thinking actually maybe I could have an osteopathic, maybe I could have a chiro, maybe I could have some soft tissue work instead of doing lots of manual therapy as a physio practitioner, maybe I could you know work with a sports therapist to do some rehab stuff wow and I do think if you're not going to move with that and reform um in in for the better i do think we're going to get left behind you know in the next sort of 10 years ago now that's my own personal thought you know whether that comes out or not i, I don't know but i think it would be a shame if you all sort of stopped but i don't think it will i think it is changing
0: do you think do you think the that- the And I don't know how big this is, because obviously we all kind of follow the same people on Twitter and all involved in the same kind of podcast and stuff. But the movement towards being more evidence informed, do you think that's a positive thing in helping break down these traditional barriers? Because normally you'd say, oh, Don, a chiropractors, they're just going to be clicking spines. and osteopath is going to think they're going to cure everything with manipulations. Uh, a sports therapist is going to be massaging the hell out of everyone and so on. A physio just going to be handing out exercises from 1990, kind of black and white. If we're all kind of like on the, the same sort of evidence informed page and slowly kind of funneling our stuff down, we're going to be more kind of aligned. Does that help? Or am I wrong in thinking that physiotherapy is becoming more evidence informed? Because I see the bashing sometimes that Adam Meekins gets, for example, um, from other physios. And sometimes I think it's all just a drop in the ocean because there's lots of things that all these professions do, which are not evidence informed. And um, What do you think?
1: I think you just hit the nail on the head, really. I think you just mentioned a perfect scenario for for private practice. You know, you've just mentioned six or seven different skill sets or roles that, okay, you're not going to have an environment where you can walk in and have a choice of whatever you want to see. But like Gary said, why can't we just be a little bit more open about, you know, being evidence informed? And yes, clinically, we all need to be. But I had a conversation in, you know, my old FCP group recently where somebody was very, very research based and they were quoting papers for every single Question that came up on the clinical group you know my question to him was if we only ever did absolutely everything that was evidence-based we would never move forward and I'm not you know again another podcast for another time which I probably do want to be involved with is that I just think we get too bogged down on the fact that everything has to have a, a you know a randomised control trial attached to it or we don't do it at all a lot of the stuff that Adam Uh, you know stays you know I completely agree with I don't always agree with the way he goes about it but he you know he makes some really good points and I don't like the fact on Twitter where the fact if you don't have 10 papers to do it then you shouldn't do it at all because what we're talking about here is recruiting into a network of physios and therapists that have a great skill set that skill set is different and changing I love looking at all the people that are really good at research and looking at reading the research and I do help it use it to inform my practice But I also use the patient in front of me to inform what's going to work for them. And I don't think that gets sort of talked about enough. So I don't know if I've answered your question specifically, but I think for me, it's very much the case of, yes, we need to be evidence-informed, but we need to use our skills and available and what the patient needs in front of us as well. And we need to be open to do that, I think. (laughs) I think also,
2: if I can add, that, if we talk about, Different skills. So, you know, Matt, you mentioned quite a lot of different practitioners that could all probably treat uh, a certain condition. For example, are we saying that every not everybody person responds the same way? So they, so you might even find in your oh. own organization for somebody responds better to a different practitioner in your own organization. So having clones. I think Gary, you mentioned someone's looking for a clone of themselves. You know you're arguing missing the boat, aren't you? Because and there's people in my organisation that are better at certain things than me. So, if someone comes in and 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 they're a certain condition, I might refer them to someone one of my own team on the basis that they're highly skilled at that area more than me. So, actually, for a good patient customer experience, it's better they see them than it is than I see them. So, I think having a variable skill set in a team anyway is actually good. Clinical practice in it like a multidisciplinary team, but also it's a good business practice, isn't it? Because you're getting the right person to see the right, in, in my opinion, anyway. You know, but if you've got clones of themselves, you've only got one way of treating somebody. If it doesn't work, then what do
1: they do? It's having the confidence to be able to do that, Andy, as well, isn't it? And I agree. You know, with you know, with our clinic and in yours where I work, you know, I work with, you know with different people and in Lucy's that I worked in in, in London, we had osteos and physios, and and it would work vice versa. You know, I've, I've, I've seen a few people in my, you know, in Summit, you know, over the past few weeks or so who I've done as much as I can clinically. They now just need to get really strong and they need to do some really good Pilates. So I've sent them on to our fantastic Pilates instructor that we have within the clinic. And, you know, the patient likes that. I'm, I don't, you know... I, I'm self-employed. Yes, I'd love to see patients lots and lots and get loads of money, but it's not about that. You know, I've done as much as I can. All I would then be doing is lots of rehab when actually we have a, a really good Pilates specialist who can get this person's back really good. So we have now referred them on to them and we're going to start seeing her. And I did that the same in London, you know, with an osteopath. You know, I'm OK at backs; It's not my favourite thing. I'm a peripheral joint, typical sports sort of physio, you know. And, and I would refer to the osteopath and say to the patient, I think you would be better with this person. But it's having the confidence to do that. Um, And some people don't like doing it. Some people don't want to do it. You know, I I don't know the patient's like, yeah, brilliant. You know, and if you explain your reasoning, then fine. And then vice versa, the osteopath would be like clinically, they're really good now. Can you go through some rehab? Can you do some Pilates? But it comes from confidence. You know, that's, you know, would I have done that 10 years ago as a new physio and being a bit unsure? I don't know you know like the other sort of things where if you have more cohesive environment you develop that with newer graduates in whatever the profession hopefully they will have the confidence to go actually why don't you go and see Andy or why don't you go see Matt because actually I think they would be able to do that for you.
0: I just think I mean that list I rattled off wasn't supposed to be a demonstration of different skills if anything I, I was being a bit cynical in the sense that it was demonstrating skills that probably don't exist And anyone who is a like the, the names that we give different professions are probably part of the problem because the names allude to things which have since been disproved. Like if you go back to why an osteopath is called an osteopath and why a chiropractor is called a chiropractor and a massage therapist, what they believe massage would do. These names are all kind of leftovers from traditional thoughts and mechanisms of action, which probably don't work. And when I'm been by Evidence Informed was, if you've got a multi-disciplinary di- disciplinary clinic and every single therapist is from a different background, but if they're all really keyed in, for example, to the biocycle social elements and we're all facilitators rather than operators, once you've got that evidence that you everyone's individual and you've got to work with a person and subjective is more important, that's where you get your hypothesis and the objective is just to test the hypothesis, which I think a lot of therapists aren't on board with that they'll just jump in straight with their. I'm an osteopath I'm going to click this or a chiropractor or I'm going to do dry needling I'm not even going to think about what that person's doing or what their stress is like in their life because I'm going to stick needles in all these skills I think weaken our strength as a multidisciplinary clinic because we're all putting our faith into a discipline we've been taught which is based which is kind of making people better but not for the reasons we think it is yeah. so um, that's what I meant by being evidence-informed and I think sometimes there is still big difference. And that's probably why physios are worried about taking on. somebody it's not a physio, because they're worried that they are going to be thinking, oh, I'm just going to, you know, rub the hell out of this Achilles until it's better.
3: Do you not think, though, that, you know, our industries, you know, we, we come from different industries, but I think we're at a massive crossroads now. With the opportunity that is coming our way, because of the strain on the NHS, you know, during COVID and post-COVID, more people are going to private practice for their their assistance, their, their treatment. Um, and so I think that if we have this multidiscipline approach, something that, you know, 15 years ago, I would have been, I've probably been against that. But if you look at the diversity of the clients coming in through our doors, they're not all the same. They don't come in with the same musculoskeletal problem. They may have the pelvic health issue. They may have the neurology issue. So I think if we can develop these, centers of of excellence um irrespective of title then i think we we've got a massive part to play in the health and the well-being of this nation um can i just answer sarah clark's question um Mm -hmm. is is a sports therapist synonymous with a sports massage therapist or are they two completely different disciplines now there is quite an easy way of of explaining this that uh, the occupational competences relating to sports massage alone, there are two. The occupational competences relating to sports therapy, there are fourteen. So there are twelve occupational competences um, extra to be a sports therapist, and that's why you know we at the STA are always mindful of advising our members that. If their award, if their certificate, their diploma says sports massage therapist, then they are a sports massage therapist. If they've got a diploma in soft tissue, which is slightly advanced from application of sports massage, then they are a soft tissue therapist. If a, their diploma, their degree, their foundation degree or their master says it, they're a sports therapist, then they are a sports therapist. So ethically, we title ourselves by our award. So I hope that clears that one up for you, Sarah.
0: But we don't have to, no?
3: No, we don't have to. That's the problem. Uh, Yeah, my my granny can call herself a sports therapist with no training whatsoever. Mm. Um, You know, in in our industry, sports therapy is 30 plus years old. You know, why are we not further on than we are?
0: Okay, fine. Um, Just having a little look through some other, thanks for reminding me, Gary, that we're not actually alone. We've got people watching this. Um, so um, let's have a look. Peter Tang, go just going back a little bit, Peter Tang says, when recruiting, it's difficult to know what skill sets the different courses teach and what clinical experience they get during their degree. Sports therapy versus GSR versus Scram courses. With physio courses, we automatically assume a full-rounded teaching in 1,000 clinical hours. Yeah, so that's the problem, isn't it, with just hiring somebody because of the course they've done. It's, it's really looking at the skill sets and the skills which they've um one of the things i noticed of when i've worked in multi-disciplinary clinics and i'm biased obviously because i'm not a physio and i haven't done physiotherapy but i time and time again in a clinic not just with physios also with podiatrists basically people come from the nhs was they weren't equipped to work with or to market themselves to work with somebody for an hour to actually have to engage the person to show that level of empathy to get them on board to get them to come back because they were more used to that kind of well they'll be coming back next week anyway for 20 minutes and for the next eight weeks you'll be seeing them so there was an awful lot of that connection rapport kind of skill thing which was missing which i don't know whether that wasn't taught on the original physiotherapy degree or whether it just disappears as soon as you get into that just patients lining up but that's such an important thing of healthcare isn't it getting that communication and getting that trust and that therapeutic alliance so that's something which i think maybe MSK sports therapists have got a little bit of a head start on because they do devote so much more time to kind of personal contact with people and working with the idea you're going to be with them with an hour rather than a rushed kind of fifteen minutes. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, a lot. A lot of my skills and from a personal point of view come from working in sport. I think, and I was a bit of a people person anyway. I wasn't always this sort of outgoing as a as a youngster, and, and definitely not in my twenties. But um, I have developed it because you you do in sport you sink or swim and you have to get on with it so you know and you do and it I, my success in my career in sports medicine has come from my personality my rapport now that now nicely moves over to improving me being able to use all of those skills in private practice so you're right but that, that didn't come from the physio degree you know and I think physio, my friend is a, a course lecturer at St George's, um, in London and he they've remodelled and a lot of courses are doing this now they are changing and rewriting a lot of because some physio courses are better than others but you're right Matt they don't we don't they don't teach that they try and teach the clinical side and again I come back to my point whereas that yes it's well-rounded but we only have one third an msk sort of teaching and within that one third you then have to get in all of the things that you mentioned as well and this you know is a medical issue you know how many doctors and gps that we know that are fantastic clinically and it could save your life but have the um, you know the personality of a pencil so it's you know it isn't just a therapist or a physio or sports therapy thing it's nationwide which comes back to the recruitment point where Look at the person, you know, look at the skill set. What do you want for your clinic? Do you want someone that's just going to sit and get all the diagnosis and be absolutely amazing spot on at clinical diagnostics all the time? Or do you want someone the patients are going to like, they're going to come back, you're going to do a really good job. They're going to be able to offer different services. They're going to be referring on to other people. And this is where I think we do need to think a bit different. There's lots of people that are doing this. But if you are short and you're struggling to recruit people for your physio practice, look at other things look at other options look at what else you can do but recognize the skill set that they've got at the same time you know
2: can i just sorry my last matt following on from what you were saying i think it's easier to teach the clinical skills than it is than the rapport skills so yeah, i yeah. I'd rather, uh, say i would rather have somebody that comes who's got that natural ability to build rapport and personality and i think well, it, it's in what I found any over the last of training people. If they've got that natural ability to build rapport, then we can help guide them along the clinical journey. All right. Cause everyone's going to, we, we've recruited graduates for years. So they're never going to be brilliant because they're straight out of university. Right. So, but if they've got a personality, we can take them on, you know, we built, we built a brand where five or six of ours then went on to work in elite sport from working under our guidance which is kind of where we, you know, we, we that model works for us. But if I get people that are clinically very sound, but actually have got no personality skills, they're actually less effective in private practice. So I would mm. argue skills that you were mentioning before, that you say that, you know, a lot of sports therapists have an abundance. You know, for me, that would be one of the key skills I would look at as a recruiter.
3: When, or, I don't know if you uh, uh, listened to the, Addition that we did but you know this is not evidence-based research we did a bit of a straw poll amongst our members and we discussed and this reinforces andy's point here that we discussed in a treatment session let's just say it's an hour for argument's sake what percentage of the success of that treatment hour is down to the person the therapist and what is down to the passive intervention that was selected by the by the therapist and it came out that 75 percent of the success of that treatment was down to the experience the the rapport that the therapist could build the therapeutic alliance how they communicated how they educated how they listened and and only 25 percent was down to the bit of sticky tape or the needle or the thumb in the piriformis and and that reinforces the point that we should be looking for People, per people, people who can talk to people, people who can listen, people who can reassure, who can de-catastrophize what's going on, and not necessarily those clinically excellent people with no social skills. Good point. Yeah.
1: I, I, I second that. I'm not. I'm. I'm confident, and I'm a good therapist. I am not on paper the best physiotherapist out there. You know, clinically, Andy and I have discussed this many, many times. Um, <laughs> I don't know which camp I <laughs> fall in, Andy. In your, in your, in your company, I don't know whether I'm the the rubbish, the uh, the person that needs help or the the personality of a pencil. But no, I joke. But I, I, I'm not. I really not. And I know, I, you know, I was a mid sort of 60 percent. Uh, I scraped a two-one on my, you know, degree. I'm good, but I'm good because I'm a people person. I'm good because I listen to people and have good skills that I've developed and I've worked hard on. But there's lots of people out there that are better than me I would say and 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 again in sports medicine and I, and I was very underconfident as a younger sort of physio working in sport where people would be able to do all of these fancy techniques which I either couldn't do or didn't want to do you know now I've got the confidence to go well that's not the way I work so I don't want to do that but you know as a junior physio I didn't I didn't have that I sort of looked at all these physios that were working and thinking they were amazing and yes they were very good at what they were doing but I've got all of my roles and all of my success from a sports medicine point of view because I can talk to athletes I can talk to coach I'm not you know I'm not harsh you know I'm kind but I do have a decent level of skill as well, and it's it, for me. It's bringing all of that together now to be able to work. You know, very successful in private practice and build it together. And I love that stat that you've just said about that poll that you did because I think that's spot on. And I think if we did that across the board, and I might even steal it uh, to do in the group because that, it's massive. It, it, is, it is massive, you know. And I think the weight that people put in, especially from a consumer point of view, is you want them to come back, you want them to be happy. They're much more likely to comply if they understand what's going on, and you're going to get that from somebody who can explain themselves and chat to people a bit more than rather than just saying clinically yes I'm spot on here's your exercises see you later next so yeah I love that
0: right to round up as we are at the nine o'clock hour what I mean most of the downloads probably that we get for this podcast are going to be sports therapists as opposed to people looking to employ physio so what can sports therapists do um on their side of the equation should they be answering ads which are asking for physios should they be changing their cv to make sure they've got all the skills down there rather than just putting kind of their qualifications or what about some hot tips for our, for us to help um change this and to aid this integration
3: i think one of the one of the problems that we as sports therapists create for ourselves is that we don't know how to describe ourselves and you know a graduate sports therapist and and I speak to you know I've spoke probably to 30 people today uh, 30 members or, or new applicants etc and, and and one of the things I always ask them is what makes you unique and they they never have an answer for that you know if I came to Newport to spend my 50 quid why would I come and see you how would you make a connection with me and and you know a graduate sports therapist will say we're we're not a a sports massage therapist and yet the first thing you see on their Facebook page or their post or their business card is sports massage appointments I think we've got to be better at explaining what we do so that we're not misinterpreted so people like Sarah can understand the difference between a sports massage therapist and a sports therapist and a sports rehabilitator so I think our industry needs to do to be better at explaining what we do. And, um, and on our, I don't know if you saw it, Matt, but Emma Wardle put something about what is a sports therapist. And she went on to list the things that she does um, and the things that she doesn't. And, and another member had done a comparison between sports therapy and physiotherapy, which was really enlightening that that, that they'd taken the time to do this and, and put it out to their clients. So, uh, you know, as an industry, we need to do things better. We need to explain what we do better. And I think from, employers they need to understand what our remit is and and if if they want to employ us in in their multidisciplinary clinics then then that's fantastic great stuff
1: yeah i think they i think it, you know it, it They need to ask the question, you know, I think it would be good to ring up and it comes with confidence. But just if they see adverts, say, look, this is what I do. And as Gary said, I think put on there, make sure you put on there what you do. Sometimes we assume and I do it myself, even recent sort of job hunting and looking around. You know, we looked at my CV even last week and thought, well, that's a bit rubbish. But, But I think we assume people know what we do. And actually they don't, you know, and and, and put on there what you like doing, what you're good at, what you're passionate about. You know, move away from a traditional CV. There's so many creative ways to do it now. But call up the practices and say, look, I know you're recruiting. This is my skill set. If they say no, they say no, you've not lost anything. I think be be a bit bolder. Andy's always got some great tips about CVs and recruitment and stuff. So, you know, an Elevate, that's what Elevate is good for, especially from an academy point of view. You know, there's there's ways and there's people out there to help you with this. You know, don't think that it's just for physios or HPCP or allied health professionals. Be a bit bolder in your approach to these clinics, I think.
2: And for me, it would be also recruit if you're going to. If you're looking at a job, it's interesting. So, if someone is recruiting for a physio, then I would the first thing I would do as a sports therapist now would look to see if it is a multidisciplinary team. Would I fit into that role anyway? You know, do your research and go. Actually, that I wouldn't suit that. So, would you want to work in there anyway? So, what's the point? Yeah, do do you even want to work there? The thing I say to anybody if you're trying to recruit now is: is what you love and what you feel your skill set be in? Is it going to be? Would you like to work there? Is that going to suit your environment? So firstly, foremost, you know, if someone if someone came to me and said, look, I know you've got, this is your style. You like your rehab and I've done, like Gary was saying, someone who's got a background in strength and conditioning a sports therapist, that CV would land in my inbox and be brilliant because that's what we love to do. So, you know, so again, I think to me, if you're going to apply for a job, make sure that you also research the job that you're applying for to see if it suits you and that your skill set is going to match because then you can go in and go look this is how your business does things these are the skills that i've got that so i think they mirror so that would be my big tip is to really kind of do your evidence and find the job that will suit you too
0: great stuff and just, and just to reiterate jamie you said there is a bit of a shortage out there is there is there when people put out recruiting for physios Are they're not getting yes. what they need
1: Uh, Well again this is just from you know I don't have any stats on this but if you look at gosh I don't know we must be able to grab the amount of marketing posts on the group but it seems to me at the moment that yes there is there is I don't know if shortage is the right word but people don't seem to be able to get the people that they want to work in clinics just from the volume of people that, that that advertise within my own group you know and 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 Again, I don't know if that's a recruitment issue <laughs> because there's, there is the people out there and there is people looking for work. Mm. Um, but let's keep it talking. There is, there, is, there is an issue. So I'm going to throw it back to you, both you and Matt and I'm going to throw Ollie Coburn on the bus and we need to do this in our group. You know, this, needs, this is bigger than, you know, sports therapy. It's great to get on and talk about this, but I think it would be great to do this within our own group and open it up. It's one of the only ways maybe that we can start to promote, you know, mm. the services that you have and people know, but let's try and see if we can break down some barriers because there are some people who won't agree and that's absolutely fine. But I think we need to have these conversations. So let's get that in. If you'd both like to come in and do that, I think we'll get Ollie involved in and Matt Scarsbrook and see if we can have a, a bit more of a MDT chat. Shall we do that?
0: That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it's always useful, isn't it? Especially getting people who don't agree. Because we kind of all yes. know we're kind of on the same page and we're kind of, you know, it'd be great to, yeah, get the people who we'll are... We'll get Matt Scott. Okay,
1: He'll no, referral
0: a few see What's happened to him? I still take part of the blame for that. I think I'll create a bit of a monster. I gave him too much time <laughs> at my chat live conference. When I gave him that mic, it just created it. It was just, oh, what have I done? he's such a docile quiet chat for them. Anyway, well, look, time has beaten us. Um, thank you so much, you two, um, for your input um it is a positive I think it's great the fact we're talking about this and that the tide is changing I think it has moved into a good direction and we've said it a few times haven't we Gary on the podcast that it sounds weird for all the people and there are so many people continuing to suffer because of COVID-19 and it's an awful scenario but there's also positive things that come out of in a weird type of way and one of these things is the the increase in communication and the blurring of lines and just people getting on a bit more and all when you all face with a similar problem, you tend to talk more, don't you, rather than being competitive and not talking to each other. So hopefully we can continue and make it something positive. So I appreciate you two and the great work you're doing. Um Jem, if people want to contact you, um what's the best way at the moment if people listen to this and they want to contact you?
1: i do i do have a website it's com. uh it's work in progress but twitter normally probably Gem jem oliver um or just throw me a message uh on the group and you're quite good at sharing whenever you do your work. i can always tell when you do your podcast at eight o'clock on the tuesday because we get an influx of members on into the uh, facebook group so uh, thank you for that and it is a lovely space as, as we said and that is um you know I'm, I'm very proud of it and it is self-sufficient and self-running it's an open space for that reason first as a support network and long may it continue because it can evolve in the right way i think so
0: yeah we'll make sure that that all gets put into the show notes for people on the contact gem um, and also links if people haven't checked out the physiotherapist support group then it's well worth checking out facebook we'll make sure a link of that goes into the notes on our webpage. and andy if people have listened to you and like what what they've said, what they've heard, what's the best way of contacting you?
2: Yeah, so certainly uh, LinkedIn, just Andy Osgood on LinkedIn or our Elevate Your Clinic. So on all of the social media, it's at Elevate Your Clinic. Um, we're on Instagram and all those. And then they can just see what we're up to and they can reach out to us.
0: Fantastic. And as far as the STA goes, um, Gary, you're still occasionally talking to people, are you, during the day? What did you say, 30 today?
3: <laughs> just... Yeah, about, about that, yeah. And, and it was, today was an easy day. Yesterday was a hard day for me because I don't know, but my brain wasn't functioning properly and, and, and I found you know, myself getting a bit stressed with, with the amount of talking that I was doing. I don't usually need an excuse to chatter away, but uh, yesterday I just wanted to lie down in the dark room. For like but uh i uh, ben, ben mace crossley i will come back to you on your point um i'll, I'll direct message you and arrange to uh, schedule a call to discuss that um and i'll also make some notes in this but yeah gem and, and Andy, if you want anything putting in our members forums you know i'll get matt to uh to add your contact details in there so uh I mean, we'll link to this as well so uh, thank you very much for giving up your time do appreciate it
0: Right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, Right. Just to let you know that next week, uh, next Tuesday, same time and place, eight o'clock UK time, um, we'll be back. I'm going to be talking to my guest is going to be Dr. Amy M. Bender, who is um, director of sleep science at Cerebra in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. She'll be talking live from uh, Canada. I'll be talking live from menorca yeah i know unless it goes red or something weird happens in the next few days but that's where i'm going to be talking from a hotel room in menorca good i'm looking forward to that um yes yeah, so do join us for that obviously we'll be talking about the the importance and relevance of sleep with regards to sport and working with um sporting athletes um and um dr amy bender is a huge um resource on that so do join us for that eight o'clock um and in the meantime right thanks guys thanks andy Gemma, gary Have a lovely evening. Thanks,
1: everyone.
0: Thanks, everyone, who joined us. Take care.
1: I see you. Take care.
0: You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about.